It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into Best on the Board here at The Athletic, presented by BetMGM. We've got a full day for you on campus. Going to be talking college football and college basketball on this episode of Best on the Board. Of course, bowl games kick off uh, just about what, 24 hours from now, a little bit more than that. And we've got uh, a whole spate of bowl games we're going to talk about here, and then we're going to take a look ahead to the weekend ahead in college basketball. Michael Beller here with you. We start things off in the college football world. So Dan Santaramita is going to kick things off with us here. Dan, bowl season is here. The full slate of bowl games, not like last year when we had uh, <laughs> so few available yeah. to us uh, with uh, obviously everything that was happening a year ago at this time. But now we've got all the bowl games back, a whole lot to choose from. And even in these first five days or so that we're limiting ourselves to on this episode, there's uh, there's a handful of good games that we can talk about. Yeah, it's it's funny because I know in, in this show, I feel like I had the reputation of picking the random games. I think I capped that last time I going with the USC Cal game that meant nothing. But uh, these are these are really in the muck in this first week. Like you really got to know your group of five stuff to really uh, feel like you got a strong expertise in these games. So you really got to know your stuff. Yeah, we're going to be with you a couple more weeks for the college football season. So we've got things divided up chronologically. This episode of Best on the Board, we're just looking at games taking place between tomorrow, December 17th, out until December 22nd. We'll have the games in between the 23rd and Christmas Day, and then we're going to have a big blowout episode on Monday, December 27th, when we look ahead to really those big, big bowl games that we're all already excited about. But there's a lot of uh, football to watch and a lot of gambling <laughs> to be done between now and then, Dan. You've got a couple of picks for us, but I wanted to start out with yeah, as you said, you really got to know your group of five stuff here. So I wanted to pull just some of the name brandiest games for this uh, for these next five days out first. And we can talk about them. Not necessarily going to have picks on them, but just wanted to get them uh, on the show here. So let's start with Oregon State and Utah State. These two teams getting together. Oregon State, seven and a half point favorites in this game. This should be, you know, a fun game. As I said, one, one of the you know two teams that we've seen quite a bit of this football season. Uh, what do you look at when you try to break down what side to go for in this one? Well, it's interesting. I think Oregon State is the only Power 5 team playing in this first weekend. But right. uh, what's interesting about this matchup, the Pac-12 did not do super well in non-conference this year. I mean, it was not a great year for the Pac-12 in general, but BYU 5-0 and against the conference. Uh, I know Fresno State picked up a win against Pac-12. Utah State also picked up a win against the Pac-12 team in Washington State. Now, I know we've talked about the transit property not being so great. Uh, especially if you're referring to a week one game, but Utah State sure. won at Washington State, and Washington State did end up get, becoming eligible and beating Oregon State. So maybe seven and a half points feels a little heavy here. I know um, that's not the strongest logic. That's why I'm not going to play it. But uh, I, I think <laughs> yep, if you, yep. you force me to take a pick, Utah State getting more than a touchdown the way the Pac-12 did in non-conference might be the way to go there. 
Yeah, it's not a play for me either. It's actually a, a relatively easy stay away. But I do like <laughs> uh, – I'm with you on this. This just feels like a, a handful too many points for Oregon yeah. State to be laying in this game. Uh, I actually – I am in a pool where we pick every game, we pick every bowl game. Uh, just against Fred and the straight-up winner. And uh, this one was relatively easy for me to click in as Utah State, uh, just because I have to pick it in that pool, right? I mean, picking them yeah. all. Uh, but it, it's just it's a little too murky for me to really want to get involved with from a gambling standpoint. And that's, that's part of the deal here. You don't have to <laughs> pick everything. Sometimes the best bets are the ones that you don't make. I do think this is going to be one of the more fun games that we see yeah. over the next five days or so. So that's what we're looking at with this one. I, too, am with you. I would take the points if forced to play it, but probably going to be staying away this next game though uh, maybe a little bit different Louisiana and Marshall Louisiana you know really just a team that we had some high hopes for all season you go back to that season opener against Texas and yeah it didn't quite come through for them in that spot but they've still been a competitive team all season long they're laying five and a half against Marshall uh, in this first set of bowl games what do you look at with this one Dan well, this is a big wild card because of the coaching situation at Louisiana. I mean, it wasn't just that Billy Napier left. It was like he took some of his staff, too. So that's the thing that makes me really nervous. I know they played in the uh, Sun Belt title game, but they still had the staff, even though they knew they were leaving and mm-hmm. won that game, which was impressive to pull that off. Yep. I know you never know how teams respond to that stuff. But, yeah, I think there's too many uncertainties about Louisiana, for me, I don't like having information deficit this big. Or I don't know enough about what's going on with their staff. But yeah, if we're just, if this isn't for the Napier situation, five and a half feels way too small. Like Louisiana on paper for me, probably a touchdown better. Yeah. But I don't like not knowing what's going on with the staff. Sure. They get to play this game in New Orleans too, right? Just the New Orleans Bowl. They're playing this yeah. one in New Orleans. I don't. I mean, staff be damned. I, I like Louisiana in this spot. <laughs> this opened. I want to say it opened at four and a half. I know it was. It was at four and a half certainly uh, as of twenty four forty eight hours ago. And now it's all. It's already up to five and a half. And so I like that it's moving in that direction. It makes me feel even better yeah. about Louisiana. I would have loved to have gotten it at four and a half and then see it go to five and a half. I'd be very happy with that. But I like. <laughs> that it's going in that direction. Uh, Ari's not here with us today. Ari obviously had himself a very busy signing day yesterday. So I will fill the Ari Wasserman role and say, you know, talent matters. Right? And let's follow the <laughs> talent here. Louisiana certainly has a huge favor in talent, a wide gap between yeah. Louisiana and Marshall in terms of just pure talent on the field. And, um, you know, you would like the coaching staff to be there for Louisiana, for sure. The one they played with all season, the one they uh, had training them going all the way back to spring, of course. But, I still think that that talent for Louisiana overwhelming in this one against Marshall in the New Orleans Bowl in New Orleans. So like that too, a little bit of a home field for the occasions in this one. All right, Dan, let's get to some of the picks that you actually do want to make here. And we start out with Eastern Michigan and Liberty. Liberty nine and a half point favorites. And I mean, as you said, like, I mean, this is the beauty of bowl season. We're getting a directional Michigan school together with <laughs> Liberty a nine and a half point spread. You like the underdog here. Let's hear why. I just think it's too many points. I think Libertyville should – Liberty Libertyville. Boy, we're going Chicago yeah, suburbs. Chicago, sub, <laughs> Chicago suburb guys right here. We both know what that means. I don't know if anyone else is going to know. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Liberty should be the favorite, but not by that many points. This is just right. a classic, like, you know, I'll take more than a touchdown here. Uh, Liberty struggled down the stretch, losing four of their last six, some of those by multiple scores. Look, Malik Willis is worth watching, I think, on paper, you see Liberty, Eastern Michigan. But if you're looking to watch a game, Malik Willis, the Liberty quarterback, uh, is an NFL prospect, really fun kind of two-way dual-threat quarterback. 
Uh, I, I think he's he's you know worth the price of admission or worth worth a few hours on your couch at least. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean Eastern Michigan, nothing special. And this is this is the thing we have to figure out in bowl season, right? Relative strength of conferences because yeah, hard. that's what it's all about, right? And and is the MAC any good? Because Liberty, you know, ended up being not so great uh, relative to preseason expectations. They lost, you know, like I said, lost four of their last six. They do play a relatively tough schedule. But Eastern Michigan, nine and a half points, I'm going to take the points. I I don't know. Not my strongest feel of the season by any stretch. This isn't a Clemson favored by multiple scores or an IU fade or anything. But I think nine and a half is a bit too many, uh, and I'll take the points there. A bit too many. I'm with you on that. And to, and like, I don't know, like this is, this is totally, I don't know how strongly you want to follow something like this, but at least <laughs> playing in the Mac, you know, that Eastern Michigan is accustomed to playing in games where they, they go in knowing like, we got to put up like 38 if we're going to have any chance in this game and their ability to do so doesn't necessarily match the mindset always, but you like that they've played that style of football. They've been, their conference has forced them to play that style of football or have that mentality for three months running now. And so when you combine that with getting nine and a half, again, it's not like this is not I'm going to come right out and say like that's not necessarily the soundest gambling logic that you're looking for. But it is something that you can latch on to when you are looking for the difference between teams that, you know, frankly, aren't aren't very good, that uh, that their seasons could easily be over if we didn't have this major, major industrial bowl complex that we had to uh, fill with teams and teams and teams and teams and teams. And so you get nine and a half, you get a team that is accustomed to having to play in high scoring games. I put those two together and my lean on this one would also be in the direction of Eastern Michigan. Let's get one more game in here, Dan, before we uh, wrap up the football side of this episode of best on the board. This would be a good game. I'm excited for this one. San Diego State, UTSA, this is a good one. This is one of the narrowest spreads that we have. This is two quality teams. I think San Diego State catching two and a half in this one, just in their conference championship game a couple of weeks ago. The Frisco Bowl now taking on UTSA. And again, I am I, we are of one mind on this one because I like San Diego State quite a bit in this spot. Probably one of my favorite early bowl game picks that we have available to us. Yeah, this one's a fun game on paper. This is certainly, I think, the best game on paper of the weekend. Uh, UTSA won their conference, almost had that undefeated season. San Diego State was 11-2. and two. I'm pretty sure they lost their conference title game in kind of ugly fashion to Utah State. Uh, so, so two of the better group of five teams, uh, both coming in with double-digit wins. UTSA, a shootout team. They can score in bunches. Sincere McCormick, their running back, is a stud. They have a, a fun offense. They play on turf, which never hurts, you know, indoors. Um, San Diego State, a defensive-minded team. Yeah. You know, they, they in fact, and they play on grass in, in an MLS stadium. They're the total opposite in yeah. so many ways. That's why this is fun. Uh, Matt Arraza, their punter, you know, people call him the punt god. He, he could be a really valuable NFL punter. But if you're going uh, a running back and an offense versus a punter and a defense, this is quite the <laughs> matchup, huh? Uh, but no, I, th- I think St. Luke State, they do have legitimately mm-hmm. good numbers on their defense. They have the stud punter who can flip the yep. field a few more times. But you got to be able to stop the team because UTSA, if they're rolling, it doesn't matter where they start uh, mm-hmm. with the ball. So uh, I, I just think San Diego State's probably the best defense UTSA has seen this year. Yes. And one of the more talented teams they've seen this year overall. Now, the question mark when you bet on the Aztecs is, can the offense do anything? Now, UTSA probably a step down in defense from what the Aztecs you saw in the Mountain West. So one of the more fascinating matchups, I'll take points in this one. I think San Diego State, always a risk if their offense just lays total egg, but I, I like them as the better overall team here. 
I don't think you want to lean. Obviously, as you said, we want we want to try to find a way to evaluate relative conference strength in some way. It's yeah. you can't just say you know the, the this conference is better than that conference. Therefore, this team's going to beat that team. Like it's not that clean, but it is something that's part of our uh, decision making input process as we are going through these bowl games. And I do think that the Mountain West here, that is prime San Diego State for a postseason game does give them a little bit of a leg up. As you said, this is unquestionably going to be the toughest defense UTSA has played all season. It's going to be a definite step down for San Diego State's offense in terms of what is thrown up against them with UTSA's defense. And that, again, that doesn't mean automatically San Diego State, by dint of their conference, should be the better team in this game. But I do like the way that that comes together. I think San Diego State's defensive front ends up being the story of this game, as it was the story of the season for them. I mean, yeah. they were in that Mountain West Conference championship game largely because of what the front four was able to do, controlling the trenches all season long. And I think that ultimately is what gets them to not only win in this one with the points two and a half, which I will happily take, but give me an outright San Diego State victory in this one. Also, before we go, Dan, you're taking the two and a half. Would you take the money line as well? Let me look that up really quick. Let's get that money line price over at BetMGM. <laughs> it is, it's just plus 105 on the plus two and a half. Uh, either one of those more attractive to you. I guess you just take the, the plus two and a half and minus 110. Yeah, that's not enough of a number to really make make it sway. Maybe if it was like 115. I'd, I mean, yeah, it depends. That's a total feel thing. Do you like taking the money line in a close one or do you like going uh, yeah. with the points? I'll, I'll, take the, I'll take the two and a half and, and lay the minus <laughs> 110. Probably would too. Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable with that. That's just our first look at bowl games for this uh, season. We'll be back next week taking a look at those in-between games. And then again, Monday, December 27th, that's when we do our big bowl game blowout. Me, Dan, Ari Wasserman, Andrew DeWitt, all four of us will be on that episode taking a look at all those big-time bowl games that are coming up after Christmas leading into New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Dan Santa Ramita, thanks so much for being with us on Best on the Board. Can't wait. Bowl season's here. Yeah, bowl season is here and college basketball here as well. We're about to talk about that with Brian Bennett and CJ Moore. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, college basketball time. My guys joining me here, Brian Bennett, CJ Moore. Guys, this has a band back together sort of feel for me. I know you guys have been doing this for months, but this is just you know one of my first forays into college basketball for this season. I'm getting to start to put the NFL year behind me. And so I am pumped, you guys, to talk college basketball with you. Uh, how you guys doing on this uh, fine Thursday morning? I'm doing great. I happened to be in Las Vegas a couple weeks ago for a buddy's birthday party, and I, I can tell you that Vegas is doing just fine. So uh, we, haven't, <laughs> we haven't broken them yet. One of these days, one of these days, CJ, uh, I think CJ is going to be the guy who ultimately uh, puts that final nail in the coffin of multi-billion dollar sports books. <laughs> <Is it coming? laughs> uh, man, well guys we got a fun weekend ahead uh regardless of what ends up happening with uh, ucla and unc definitely a fun weekend of college games ahead um we're not going to talk the thursday slate we're not going to really look at friday much and those are the games that we have lines for available to us so we're just going to use the kempom line we're going to basically do our best sportsbook impression and use the kempom lines and apply them to two of this weekend's biggest games so 
Without further ado, let's get things rolling, you guys, with Gonzaga and Texas Tech. The Ken Palm Lima on this has Gonzaga favored by six. Now, CJ, you've done this show once. Brian, your first uh, your first episode of Best on the Board. We're not forcing you to make any picks. Right? This is uh, th- You don't have to bet every single game that is available to you. We're going to talk through the games, talk through the angles. And if you have a play, awesome. If you don't, if you want to pass, totally cool, too. So we'll start with you on this one, Brian. Let our uh, our new guest get in here first. When you look at this matchup between Gonzaga and Texas Tech and you have the minus six in your mind, what jumps out of you? Uh, pretty fascinating matchup. We saw Gonzaga play Texas earlier this year in Texas trying to play that same defense, obviously, that Chris Beard uh, played, uh, having Mark Adams as a top assistant at Texas Tech, and Gonzaga completely shredded them. Now, Texas wasn't playing that defense very well. Drew Timmy really got free in the middle pretty much all night long, which is the exact opposite of what that no-middle defense is supposed <laughs> to do. So I think Gonzaga is going to have to make some outside shots uh, in this game because I do think Texas Tech's defense will be really, really good. Uh, and Gonzaga has struggled a bit uh, from the from outside the arc this year with that, without Corey Kispert. Uh, that's been a little bit of a vulnerability for them. Uh, however, I don't know if Texas Tech can score enough points to keep up with Gonzaga in this game. We saw them struggle, obviously, in the Tennessee game. Uh, not a super explosive offense. Um, so I think I, I like Gonzaga in this game. Uh, I think, you know, if they can play their game, uh, it, it's going to be a little little tighter for them, obviously. But I, I just don't think Texas Tech has enough offensive firepower to hold up. So I, w- I think I would take Gonzaga in this game and lay the points. Yes, CJ, uh, when you look at this one, uh, is there any way that you could assuage Brian's concerns and think that Texas Tech can keep up offensively or, on the flip side, maybe play that style of defense that slows Gonzaga down at all? I think Texas Tech has pretty good talent and eventually is going to figure out its offense a little bit. But, uh, you know, TJ Shannon could be a tough matchup for Gonzaga. But I'm I'm with Brian that I, I think Tech has had trouble scoring this year. Um, you know, the, the, my one hesitation here is I was just talking to a coach recently who had, um, watched some Gonzaga and he was talking about how soft they were. <laughs> like he was surprised how soft they were. And one team you don't want to be soft against is, is probably Texas tech. Mm-hmm. So I, I would, if I were betting something, probably the under would be my favorite play <laughs> in this game. Okay. Um, but you know, whatever that we don't know what that number is going to be, but Ken Palm's got it set at one forty six, um, yeah, which so, feels maybe a little ambitious. I wouldn't be surprised to see it down in the lower one forties. Uh, but either way, I could see the under being a, a smart play in this one. Yeah. I'd, I'd be interested in that. I, I think mm-hmm. I'm also with Brian just because of my worry of, of Texas tech scoring, um, Gonzaga, whether they're soft or not, they're going to get some points on the board. So, um, I say Gonzaga covers probably wins this one by like eight, nine points. Yeah, I mean, certainly Texas Tech has played two, you know, um, two teams that are set apart from the rest of their conference. The game against Tennessee that you mentioned, Brian, that for any of us who watched it, and I was one of them, I mean, set back the sport uh, a couple of years with that 57-52 overtime game. And then Providence, the game they played immediately before that. Providence, 0.99 points per possession for Texas Tech. And then the Tennessee game uh, that they won in overtime, 57-52, uh, 0.73 points per possession. So certainly Ooh. there's going to have to be some offensive things figured out for uh, Texas Tech going forward and maybe not exactly the most fertile ground to do it against Gonzaga. You guys, this is going to be, you know, Gonzaga's last real sort of game until, you know, they get into West Coast Conference play and they go up against uh, um, San Francisco early on in West Coast Conference play. So, I mean, Brian, you take this one first. What do you want to see from Gonzaga going into, uh, coming out of this game to feel 
whatever you might end up feeling about this team. Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, again, we've mentioned the, the shooting has really uncharacteristically for Gonzaga not been that great, you know, outside of, you know, the two-point field goals uh, just haven't been great from three. So I'd like to see them be a little bit better, uh, making some outside shots. And then the toughness angle, you know, obviously Duke uh, was physical with them and was able to, to beat them. Uh, and Texas Tech, as, as CJ mentioned, you know you're, you're going to be in for a street battle uh, with them. So I want to see what kind of toughness they have, and, and especially Chad Holmgren, how does he hold up uh, in a physical game like this? Yeah, it's going to be a fun West Coast Conference season for sure. Gonzaga obviously will be entering as the uh, comfortable favorite, but maybe a few more uh, graspers for their crown this year than they're used to seeing over the last few seasons. Let's get one more game in here, guys, before we call this a show. Kentucky and Ohio State getting together in Las Vegas on a neutral floor. Uh, this should also be one of the more fun games of the weekend. We've got Ohio State with the Ken Palm line favored by one. We've seen some good from both of these teams. We've seen some bad from both of these teams. Ohio State obviously peaking with that uh, home victory they had over Duke, and what a comeback victory. They're coming off a, a great dominant win over Wisconsin at home as well, and now they get this game in Kentucky. CJ, you start this one off. Uh, what do you look at first when you look at these two teams getting together? Well, I don't think that, you know, Kentucky's biggest strength has probably been Oscar Shibway, and this is Ohio State has a front line that can actually match up with Oscar Shibway and not just get crushed on the glass. So, um, you know, the, the, the thing that sticks out to me in this one is I had going into that Duke Ohio state game, I was thinking, man, Duke's talent is better, but if it's a close game, I feel like Chris Holtman can probably coach circles around this version of coach K. And I kind of feel the same way going into this one. Like I'm going to take Chris Holtman over Calipari basically any day of the week. And, and, <laughs> I know Brian, Kentucky grad over there, probably agrees with me right now. So uh, I think I'm leaning with the, with the line so close. I think I'm leaning towards um, Ohio State and uh -huh. uh, Liddell being you know the best player in this game. Um, I think Kentucky might have a trouble matching up with him, and and I bet that Ohio State puts Kentucky in some difficult positions and as far as how how they guard them, who they decide to guard, those types of things. I would, you know, I'm just going to make a guess at this again. This is what about, I don't know, 55 hours or so away from tip off for this game on Saturday. So we don't have a real line yet. Again, that minus one you see on your screen, if you're watching this on YouTube, that's a Ken Palm line. I would bet this is going to be a little higher when it actually gets posted. I would think it's, we're more looking at something like OSU minus two and a half, something along those lines. And it's got a lot to do with the fact that Kentucky's best win right now is over Ohio. They, they lost to Duke also way back in the champions classic, their last game, uh, a loss at Notre Dame. And so the one win they can, you know, uh, hang their hat on for, for lack of any other wins out there is Ohio. And so I think that's really where you maybe Kentucky gets into trouble. Brian, with this look at Kentucky, what do they have to do in this game to start feeling like the Kentucky that maybe they appeared to be coming into the season? Well, the first thing is John Calipari has to figure out his lineups. You know, he's really he's been putting two non-shooters out there in Severe Wheeler and Oscar Shibway, uh, and along with Keon Brooks, who doesn't really shoot threes. So you basically got three guys who can't space the floor for you. And you've got a guy in Severe Wheeler who's, you know, a, a good player. Uh, he was leading the country in assists going into the last game. <laughs> But he's five foot nine, can't finish, can't shoot. Uh, Notre Dame completely sagged off of him, um, and they just had no really, you know, plan on offense. Um, so uh, you know they're going to have to figure something out. They've had a week off. They'll have had a week off by the time this game rolls around. Mm -hmm. A lot of criticism 
uh, and, and going on around the Kentucky program right now. Uh, someone very close to it, myself here living in Kentucky, I can tell you that uh, the heat's, heat's on here a little bit, and, and a loss here would, would really uh, put, push up the heat going into the Louisville game uh, next week. Mm-hmm. And if they happen to lose both those games, it's going to get real, real ugly in the Commonwealth. So we could, uh, we could see, uh, I think, maybe some changes, some lineup changes uh, going into this game. Uh, so that makes me a, a little cautious going in, but I, I agree with CJ. I think Ohio State matches up really well in mm-hmm. Savage. They're not a great off, uh, not a great rebounding team though. Only 167th, I think, defensive rebounding percentage. So Shibay could have some success in there, getting some putbacks uh, if he can stay out of foul trouble. But uh, again, I, I I don't like the vibes around the Kentucky team right now. Yeah. They're not making shots. Uh, they, they seem to be lacking confidence uh, and play just a horrible schedule. Uh, not ready for this game. So Chris Holtman, the uh, the Lexington, almost almost Lexington native, Nicholasville, <laughs> Kentucky, uh, I think uh, might might beat Kentucky again. Uh, the second straight win for him against the Wildcats. And this is uh, I haven't had an opportunity to evaluate the full college basketball slate ahead of us this weekend. NFL still dominating my life, at least through the regular season. But uh, this is uh, probably this is the one game that really jumped out at me, especially if it en- if it ends up being right in this range. OSU minus one, OSU minus two. Going to have something riding on the Buckeyes, too, with uh, some of those good wins that they've put together this season. That's going to do it, you guys, for this episode of Best on the Board. For Brian, for CJ, for Dan, way back when, talking college football bowl games coming up this weekend. I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, we say good luck and happy betting. We'll talk to you soon.